and welcome to the Eighth Note Sessions. I'm Mike Shamil. And I'm Devin Mullen. And our guest today is Maria Sebastian. Maria, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, one of the things I wanted to kind of start off with is, I know right now you're currently doing a uh, residency at Hot Mama's Canteen. Is that correct? Mm, yes. Um, and my, my question is, um, what's it like doing a residency in contrast to stringing a bunch of um, shows together at different venues? Because I notice right now a lot of local artists are uh, pushing hard for the residencies and gobbling them up, and it seems to be a popular option. Yeah, I'm doing a couple right now. Um, I also have one at the old Penny Lane, Lion and Eagle Club now. Uh, that's just third Saturdays. Uh, well, I have thurs uh, Tuesdays in January at Hot Mama's. The first one I had COVID for, so I didn't make that one. And uh, the second one was just the other night. And uh, I've got two more left. Then I I'm not sure how that's going to go. It's... it's um, well, the popularity of those, I can understand. Uh, I think you, you have to make sure that it's your place, um, somewhere that you can make work, you know, for that. I'm not sure that Hot Mamas is the place for me. I like the play. I like it there. Um, but I, I was in the suburbs for a long time, and I'm back in the city now where I grew up and, and uh, close to the neighborhood I, I lived in, and I'm, I'm working because I've, I've always had this sort of scattered following, and um while I can draw a, a few buildings away at Sportsman's, those little or the smaller venues like Nietzsche's, and even though I've been playing there since I was 16, uh, Nietzsche's and Hot Mamas and those kinds of places, I have a little bit of hard, harder time with my following wanting to go to that kind of place. You know, people, people I think, I hear, I hear my, this might sum it up. I do so many different kinds of music that I have a lot of different kinds of people who come to, shows and and they don't always know what they're going to get so i try to label i i try to label the shows like when i put a, a retro rock band together like trying to do um old rock songs as a reunion show of old band former band members i called it the rock show so that the patsy klein people wouldn't come out <laughs> uh. you know and so um you know, I, I don't know that a lot of the people that would go to Sportsman's to see me knowing what I would do at Sportsman's understand what I might do at Hot Mamas. So I'm still, you know, I, I'm one of those people that does maybe too many different kinds of things for my own good. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to manage like all the different branding that. that yeah. Yeah. I'm, and now that I'm playing more than I have been in recent years, um, I, I guess people have to figure out what I am according to where I am. So, but the, but the, I like the residency idea. I think it's fantastic. You know, people like to know what they're getting. And if you could give that to them in a, in a more specific way, you're, you're going to both benefit. I so wonder, too, if it has to deal with trying to um, fill a calendar at venues right now where things are kind of funny with scheduling. And if you can lock a band down, hopefully for a month, I'm wondering if that kind of is a little easier to work with than having multiple bands that might all cancel, you know? I wouldn't wish the booking agent's job on anyone because you're on the phone. You, you are on the phone all day and all night. And if you're not on the phone, you're on your computer. And if you're not on both of those, you're on the street talking to somebody. I mean, it's just nonstop. So this might make that a little easier. Yeah. Um, going to Hot Mama's Canteen, just a, if it's not a secret, you know, if it's not a, a covered mm -hmm. process, what might they expect at the residency? What are you thinking? 
well, they're trying to push it as more of a songwriter night. So I will do more original stuff there than I will do in other places where they don't expect that. So, um, you know, it's funny because there's some people who say, well, when are you going to play more of your own stuff? And then I book a place like Hot Mamas to do it and they don't show up. <laughs> so it's like, well, you know, I did it, but you didn't come. And, uh, gave or, you the opportunity. Come yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, you know, it, it's, but that's what I've been doing. And then trying to figure out what the people who like to go there a lot listen to and maybe throw a few covers in there that'll fit that area. But I, I think it's a nice original music space. I, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, in our pre-interview conversation, you had mentioned that you you actually like playing covers and, and I love their, it. the original <laughs> music. Um, there, there's a little bit of a division that occurs in the music scene between original artists and and cover cover acts. Even though there's you know plenty of crossover, there's not fundamentally any any difference. Mm -hmm. um, why why do you think that is? I know exactly why that is. I finally figured it out. Uh, I started paying attention to who the people are who poo-poo those who go out and play covers for pay. And the people who poo-poo it the most are the ones who, I'm sorry, but can't do it. <laughs> I, 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 pro I, I, <laughs> I promise you that's true. It's the same thing I found in the poetry scene. In the poetry scene, they poo-poo rhyming poets, but they all love Robert Frost. The people who poo-poo the rhyming poets stink at writing <laughs> rhyming poems. And I'm, t you know, those when people hate something, it's because they're not very good at it. Isn't that true? Usually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, something you dislike it can serve as a yeah, or, and you don't makes like you feel you like you're not good at it, and 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 so you don't want to do it anymore. But um, so I, I started paying attention to the people who are the most versatile, the Nelson Stars, for example. The guy's amazing. And he'll he'll go play covers because he can. If he if he if he was now I don't wanna I don't wanna poo-poo and I'm, I wish I had another phrase, but um, the people who don't do covers because what I love about them is they have a certain sound and style that you know it's them. They're the same on every song, and it's great because you know what you're getting. If you like one song, you like all of them. They have a sound and a style, and it's them, and it's 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 um, unique usually. But when you're someone who you know does a lot of covers, then you don't have that originality. So there is a trade-off. But I started to recognize again. I I always try to know what my strengths are. I'm a I'm a good I'm a good guitarist, but I couldn't solo to save my life. I know what I'm weak at, um, and and. <laughs> And, and I've, you know, that's just one of the things that I, I would uh, put all my money on. That if they, if, you know, the, the, the people who just say, ah, they're playing covers, and, you know, if they could do what they would too. So I, I think that dovetails <laughs> into uh, maybe some introduction on, on your career and, uh, well, this just, the, the sort of body of work that you have. Um, what I really enjoyed about researching uh, your work is that you also teach English literature um, and you're also a poet and you've been making music since uh, 1989, which uh, these past few decades are rife with material for introspection and reflection. Um, do you feel I, I mean, obviously, the the intersection of cover and original work. It's there's a connection to be made to this work in different medium. Something that 
I would like to explore a little bit is why why engage in songwriting, lyricism, and and poetry and, and English literature. Um, what what makes them different and what makes them evocative? And do do they influence each other? Well, uh, one thing I've found myself saying in conversations about that is that while music is very lyrical and poetic and poems are very musical um, and lyrical, you know, that they have a lot in common. I find them to be completely different when trying to do one or the other. I, I have seasons where I'll do one or the other. I can't write a song one week and then a poem the next day. I, I, I'm in one frame of mind or the other. I'm in one scene or the other. If I'm going to poetry readings, I'm not thinking about music. If I'm going to music, you know, shows more than I'm not thinking about as much about poetry. And yeah, when I'm writing lyrics, I, I do find that, you know, I, I may be thinking of it like someone who also writes poetry. But um, so I guess after a while, you, uh, they do combine, but you're not consciously, I'm not consciously forcing them together. Uh, and it's in terms of, as for literature, when I, when I, um, decided I was going to stay in, in school uh, or go back to college. Uh, I went five years after high school. Uh, I started in a music business program at Villa Maria College, which was not really a music business program. It was music and business, two separate different things. They didn't, whatever they're doing now, they weren't doing that. And it was still sort of guinea pig sort of stuff. Uh, eventually, though, I, I was taking so many English classes, I found myself more interested in the writing and the author's and uh, the stories, poems, and plays. And uh, I found that that's where my motivation was to tell a story. And that is uh, where I flock more than music theory or notation or anything on, on the musical side. So that's how it comes together for me. I mean, I, I absolutely understand the kind of compartmentalization that you have to engage yeah. in. I, I've yeah, been yeah. working, you know, I've been working on a book for like eight years, and usually mm -hmm. when I'm doing that, I'm not doing music. There's there is something different about it. But you, the beautiful thing is, you're never completely stepping outside of these engagements when you're stepping into another. You're telling you know? a story, yeah. Um, so so going further on on this issue of story, an artist reflects on the life lived, right, and and the society that they live in. Um, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, your, your own personal uh, ex experience in music growing up uh, well, as a woman in, in a rather patriarchal industry. Um, there has been, in the past few years, the Me Too movement, there are calls for accountability and, and genuine expressions of solidarity happening between different groups, and at least superficially, it seems that the needle is moving in a good direction. Um, that said, what have, what have you observed, actually walking down that path and living that struggle? Um, I haven't encountered it. Uh lately um you know i see what people are talking about um i i guess i've been a rather solo um uh, i do everything myself <laughs> you know i do all the booking and uh, i mean i have agents in town they call me honey or hun or sweetheart or whatever but you know they're of that era it doesn't bother me they don't go too far um, I haven't had any trouble like that since I was in my 20s. That's when I saw a lot more of it. And I think now that uh, 
the conversation has started, people are more careful and things should improve. But human nature is human nature. So, you know, I'm not sure it's ever going to go away. <laughs> well, hopefully the unexpressed sentiment uh, ebbs away. Yeah, as much of as much of it is human nature, you know, we can still we should still be able to control ourselves. I'd like to think so. Yes, and see him. Um, we talked a little bit about too the the sort of different ambitions that an artist has to have in terms of their creativity in order to to stand out. It's not simply good enough to be stunningly talented because there's a great many people who are. Um, especially in Buffalo, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. on, on every corner you got some you know, virtuoso. Um, the, the shifting music landscape, both in terms of what is required creatively and what is create, uh, required in, in terms of business, marketing, advertising, and, and the constant pushing out of content. Um, how have you had to adapt to that? And, and what sort of challenges have you faced in this change? Um, I mean, it all comes down to you got to get out there and play. You know, there, there might be a few people who, who don't have to do that and they have some kind of spark online. You have to be really original to do that. Uh, and, and while there's a lot of talent, there may not be as much originality. And, uh, and, and I think the videos are a big part of that, which I still don't have uh, much of. So that's something that I would, I would have to do. But I think being, uh, being out there, um, my, my plan was, I started, I had my daughter very young and then 10 years later I had a son. And so, uh, moving around a lot was not, was not an option or I guess it could have been, but I didn't do it. And, uh, so my plan was when they were both on their own, which was in 2020, that I would go and finally, you know, start playing all those places on the East coast that I always wanted to play. And some of them I had played with either with, um, another band or solo. Uh, but that's how you, in, in doing what I do, uh, you build something, you know, it, before it was, it was for me, I would, I would play a place far away, you know, to me far away might've been somewhere downstate, you know, which isn't very far, uh, but, or maybe Chicago or, um, Connecticut or somewhere like that. And, you know, I'd have a great night, sell a lot of CDs, great response, perfect crowd, and then not go back again. You got to go back again. You have right, to keep you gotta the cycle. Keep you got to keep it going. Yeah. And yeah. I never did that. I never did that. And so my plan was when they were gone that I would do that. Well, my son left for the Marines in 2020 and then everything shut down. <laughs> so now that I had the time to do it, no, the, whole, the I world, I mean, have the time. I finally had the time and the world ended. <laughs> it's not fair. There was time. <laughs> Wait a the minute. Twilight Zone you know, was like, right. You've got to be kidding me. I could not believe it. Uh, so now, you know, I, I guess I'm, and then I was going to move down to say Woodstock or somewhere like that, but the prices and everybody's coming up from New York now and those places aren't affordable. So now, you know, I really just resigned to being a local musician. It's what I've always been. I don't mind it. I've built, I've built it here. Um, in terms of putting out material, I'm still navigating that, how to do it. But I think having a core of like-minded fellow songwriters who also like to do it and having, say, those songwriter night concerts where we do uh, you know, songwriters in the round or whatever, that's my happy place. I, I love when we're all together doing what we do. And uh, if, that's, if that's it for me, I'm fine with that. 
And, and yeah, when things do get a little better, I still want to go and do all those great acoustic venues, mostly on the East Coast. There is a lot of cool stuff out there. On, on the subject of, of getting your music out there more, um, you've had some of your music distributed uh, in TV shows. Was that a difficult thing to negotiate or, um, you know, is there, is there sort of a process to follow to, to get your music in television? You just have to know the right people. Damn it. I mean, I'm sorry, but I, 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 I hate that answer. I really hate that answer. Because, you know, we, we all just want the damn path, right? We want A and then B and then C. And if you do those three things and you get to D, right? That's never how it is. Or at least the I direction. Ju- when it's, when it's kind of yeah. like, like, well, if you stumble up upon the right person and buy them a beer and then talk their ear off for an hour, then maybe, maybe they'll help you out. <laughs> Yeah, good luck with that. I, uh, you know, for me, it was uh, other people doing those things, and they and they landed somewhere because they knew somebody. I had very little involvement. Like when we got a song, I, I haven't had major films or anything, but when we got a song on Melrose Place, it was a rerun. You know, it was somebody who knew somebody, and they did that. It, uh, maybe a small independent films. I people asked me directly, "Can I use one of your songs?" You know, those kinds of things. But um, I think. There is something to be said for people who, um, st- you, if, if you really want to be a student at it, maybe you're independently wealthy where you have the time to do this. You can sit and, and watch movies you like, shows you like, find out who the music supervisor is, get a list of a hundred of those and start emailing them. You know, start start easy. You know, I, I love what you did in this series the, the song you put in those credits is perfect you know maybe just befriend them a little bit and little by little you, you nudge them and see if they if they want to use your stuff that's how i've seen other people get involved that makes uh, sense. yeah it's a full-time job i mean that's a numbers game right and you gotta have the time for it <laughs> right you know what I, um <laughs> I want to find out who like does the uh, the music selection for the show Letter Kenny because it, it's this Canadian humor and they have like the best freaking soundtrack. Every ah. time they get to the credits, it like ties in with like the main like shtick that they were like joking about ah. the whole episode, and I'm just like, oh, this is great. Oh, <laughs> some people know how to play that game and, and they put time in. I guess if you get involved in songwriting workshops online. I know there are a few with some uh, pretty uh, successful commercial songwriters. Uh, I'm forgetting their names now. I think Sam Moore was one of them. Uh, they're, they're, you know, but you got to pay $1,500 or $3,000 to take the workshop and then go through all the channels they want you to do. Everything becomes like like uh, yeah, American Idol, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, like I watched the first season of American Idol and I thought, oh, how cool. Everybody's getting some exposure. You know, I think you had to be 25 or under in order to do that. So I didn't try out. And then, um, then, uh, you know, before you know it, everybody's like singing some goofy song in the car wash, you know, washing the car together. It becomes so cheesy that you just can't even stand it anymore. And it seems like a lot of these paths into success, they find some way to get you to be a panhandler for something. And, and so I, I just find that, you know, you got to play the game if you're willing to. <laughs> I mean, you know, to, to kind of dovetail off that a little bit, I, I do feel um, there's a lot of like pay to play and a lot mm-hmm. of arcane paths into success. Like the the idea of paying for someone to listen to one of your songs to maybe mm-hmm. decide if they're going to put it on a playlist on Spotify. 
you know, and there's this whole industry of folks who are, you know, they have the secret, they figured it out, and they'll give it to you just for, you know, $39.99 a month, you know, sort of thing. For the rest of your life, yeah. For yeah. the rest of your life, you know. And and if it doesn't work, it's not because they were wrong, you just didn't want it bad enough. Oh, of course. That's, yeah. that's the incentive. When, when, I wouldn't, when I wouldn't sleep with this uh, country music guy years ago when I was 17, uh, when, I wouldn't, when I wouldn't sleep with him after he was going to introduce me to this person and that person, we were uh, we were out somewhere. He was going to introduce me, and uh, anyway, when I when I didn't fall for his ploy, he dropped me off, and he said, "I think maybe country music isn't for you." What a <laughs> yeah. what a and I already I, I already knew that anyway, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't play the game, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that, was that, the, joke. that was the yeah. short. That yeah. was the very short version of that story. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it was scandalizing. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. It's, it's encouraging though to see that, you know, there, there's space for. I, I don't think it's proper to call it the new music, but maybe the, the new music industry, and there's still space for more traditional, more well-established forms just the idea of making people feel good and leaving an impression creating memories making these strong connections face to face in a, in a human way um you know i my hopes for the music industry would be that these two elements the the technological and you know everything they they kind of synergize to make something more perfect and more beautiful but we're, we're not quite there yet i feel like we're getting in the ballpark at least like the, a lot of the tools like being able to distribute your music, you know, without having to go through a record label, you know, you know, touching back on like the whole getting your music on TV thing. It's very easy to set up your music to be available via sync license. But, you know, the, the tools are there, but they only get you so far. You can't just in most cases, unless you're like Billie Eilish, you know, you can't just throw your music online and expect it to just take off. You're still you know? a needle in a haystack. Yeah. So it's like. You ha we have a lot of resources that we didn't have in the past, but there's still sort of this disconnect of figuring out how to make them, you know, like get our music across in more places. You know, you, you we've got the bus, we just haven't figured out how to drive it yet. At least that's some what, people where I make think. it work. You know, some people do find a way to make that. They could sit in their little space in their basement or wherever and make something work just online. And I'm, I admire that. But I do think uh, whether you're young and trying to make it or older and just trying to love what you do and keep doing it, you got to play. You got to keep playing and play the right places and, and just keep cycling those venues that work for you. Yeah. So, you know, once once the uh, you know the pandemic lets down, because I, I I doubt it's going to be this bad for forever. And also to our viewers at home, Happy New Year! We're still in the middle yeah. of the pandemic, but we're doing okay. We're we're approaching it with positivity, and you know, twenty twenty two is the year of your... <laughs> Well, yeah, more literally, more our, our call is familiar. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> See, we're still kicking. We're, we're okay. Still 2022. Kicking. It's the year of vanity. <laughs> Embrace how beautiful and worth it you are. Um, Cheers. Cheers to that. Um, when, when the pandemic does actually let down and we 
I, I don't know what normalcy is, but we can we can go places. Um, where do you think you'll go first? That's a good question. Uh, I, I've still been going. Uh, I haven't stopped going <laughs> to my to my favorite places, and uh, I think the the what I would do then is try to put together a songwriter uh, tour that is East Coast based in a lot of those venues that you know I have to find out if they're still going or not. You know, I'm afraid to put anything together now because it might get canceled, and you, know, you don't want to have a show. You don't want to book something that's you know a planned tour and then only have three of the shows work out you know expense wise so um right. yeah i i do have a guy in the connecticut area who's willing to book me in certain places there but i think he's been holding off just for those kinds of reasons and so hopefully um i can finally get to play some of the rooms that that i've wanted to play at if they're still there <laughs> i kind of feel the same way about mm -hmm. um, a lot of the venues in canada I was just before the pandemic, I was spending a lot more time going up to Toronto. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, there were like even open mics that if I like went straight from work, um, I could make it just to like sign up time and actually right. get in at a few yeah. places. And I really wanted to start tapping into this whole metropolitan area that we're kind of at the tail end of, you know, and I found a lot of like wonderful venues up along Lake Ontario there. And now I just kind of like that, that gate is kind of, I mean, it's sort of open, but they're going right back into lockdown land. And, you know, some of the venues that I was hoping to go to are already gone for good, you know, and right. they were just they were just there. So you, there is that whole yeah. kind of like, OK, well, what's going to be left afterwards, you know, and right. be available? Yeah, I did. I play like I love the town of Woodstock uh, and, and the Catskill area and Hudson Valley area. And uh, I, I did play. I did get an offer to play a couple places there, but um, well, one was weather related. It, it shut down because of weather. I got there and, and the whole thing was pretty much canceled because of weather, but uh, there, there are some still some good rooms going, but yeah, you need to make that list. I guess we, instead of thinking, well, when it opens, I'll do this or that, we should probably start now making a list of what's possibly still gonna be there. You know, I, I'm putting it off like probably everybody is, but maybe the sooner we start making that list, the sooner we can make it happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what a time. Um, so on, on that note, I just have um, one, one more question. We're gonna, we're gonna turn the ship around off uh, the existential here. Um, <laughs> so Maria, you're, you're a mother, you're an educator. Um, what I was curious about is what sort of words of encouragement or advice do you have for singer-songwriters coming up now who do look at more traditional, more established forms of music and, and want to do that, but you know, are, are assaulted with <laughs> everything online and everything else? How, what would you say to folks who are, who are struggling with uh, I don't know the process of keeping that going. Oh, um, there's a lot to say about that. I'll try to keep it short. I, I, the first thing I think of is to know what your strengths are. Um, build a team around you if you need one. If you don't need one, then maybe you can do things yourself because the worst part about the music industry is having to wait for other people to do the things that you need to get done. And so if you could do as much of that on your own, uh, it might be lonely, but and it might cost you a fortune because now you got to pay people to do things. Uh, but you know, it, it, it 
do as much of it as you can yourself. And maybe that speeds up the process a little bit. But I, I would say maybe um, listen, just keep listening to what other people are doing that works and keep playing, keep playing live. Um, I, I, I think sometimes we focus too much on sitting in our little rooms and doing things and hoping that that's going to get us somewhere. It's got to be around other people who, who love it like you do and you learn from each other, you inspire each other, you keep each other going so you don't fall into those ruts as easily. Is that enough of an answer? I could go on. <laughs> I, 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 felt, I felt my heart soaring. I felt okay, that, okay. Yeah. We'll, start, we'll start with that and come out to Hot Mamas and we'll finish the conversation. How about that? Love it. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think that's just about time for us. Devin, did you have anything else left? No, that was my last question. All right. I have one more thing. I want sure. to say, to, I, 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 I should have taken back a little bit when I was talking about those who poo-poo covers because they can't do them. I, I should say there are some people who are purists and they just believe in original music and, and maybe they can do that cover thing too, but they just decide they don't want to. So yes, those people do exist, but they are rare. Okay, now I've said everything. I've, I've been guilty of poo-pooing cover bands, so I, I've, okay. I've been guilty of it. My beef has always been like, if I if I see a cover band, I want to see one of two things: either you take the songs and you make them yours, like you you cover these songs in a style mm -hmm. that is kind of fresh, or you nail it, like you sound yep. so good. I, mm -hmm. I don't like that like awkward in between where it's like yes. you could tell they're trying to be like the band too hard, but they're like not doing a great job like i, I, couldn't I, agree I played more. A, a benefit once years ago in pennsylvania with with my old band and we were just so blown away because there was there's was probably like 10 bands on the bill it was like a whole day-long festival kind of thing and um every band but us covered keep on rocking in the free world and they're mostly <laughs> old dudes and they were just yeah. They were butchering it. And then, like, one band would finish with that song, and the next band had their set list. And we're like, is this some sort of, like, gag? Are we it's like, <laughs> it, it, like is so, some TV host going to pop out and tell us, like, we've been punked or something? Like, what's going wow. on? And now we, to this day, like, this is, like, 10 years, like, in the future. I still hear that song on the radio. And, and as much as I love Neil Young, I have to turn that off. Because <laughs> I think about all those guys just ruining it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So either make it your own folks or like nail it. Like make me think Eddie Van Halen's in the room, you know? Got it. <laughs> don't, please don't butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with you. And with that, uh, I'm Mike Shamil. I'm Devin Mullen. And our guest today was Maria Sebastian. Thank you, Maria, for coming on the show. Thank you both. This has been the Eighth Note Sessions. Thank you for watching. Here's a snippet of the conversation by Adam Insult and the Injuries. sessions are produced by Music is Art. Our co-hosts are Devin Mullen and Michael Shamil. Editing by Michael Shamil. The executive director is Tracy Fletcher. Our program director is Sarah Elizabeth Shaw. You can help programs like this keep going by donating today at musicisart.org.
Thanks for listening.